Welcome to episode 221 of TechSync, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. Today is a, what should we say, a mild day in Pasadena. Hello, Jason. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Pretty good. Uh, it was a lot colder in Chicago, where I've just come back from. A lot colder, I would imagine. Right? A lot colder. Bone cold. Let's yeah. say your bones got cold. Well, that's what I, t- I think I was telling you about that. You know, I was like, <laughs> it, it just, it's, it's, it's a kind of level of cold that you're not used to where you walk outside of a building and it feels like someone got, you got punched in the face. Yeah. You almost it, have to brace yourself for it. It is like that. But that's, you know what I like about that is that then there's places to go and get warm and snug. Mm. And that's a nice feeling. You like, you like it for like three or four days by the third week. <laughs> but it's like you're being looked after. You go into a warm place and it's like you're being given a big hug. Is it you looking for that? Is that what you need, a hug? Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I walk out this morning and it's like, what, 65 and sunny and crisp. And I'm just like, I, I never get sick of it. Never gets old. Does All right. It? Does it? Uh, no, it doesn't get old. It, well, no, actually, the worst thing about California is when it gets cold. Well, it doesn't really get cold. Well, it's like it, it does get cold sometimes in the mornings and in the winter. <laughs> Like what, 60, 55 degrees cold? Yeah, exactly, yeah. (laughs) Okay, all right, well, so you uh, you just got back from a big trip. Right, so uh, I don't want to get too much into the detail. It is is kind of secret, but I went for a very important meeting, and uh, it was very interesting, and I was basically being interviewed by, let's say, an investor. So um, I've got a, actually got a funny story about this about this uh, meeting. So like a very influential investor that I mm-hmm. went to meet in uh, Chicago. And so we met in a cafe and basically it was an interview situation. So, you know, we started talking the usual small talk. And then he's like, okay, so tell me about yourself. So I had my, uh, my resume prepared, right? So I've got this three-page resume. Most 40-year-olds would have a three-page resume. Mm-hmm. So what I had done was I had written on the side of the resume little annotations like little kind of story points about each of those jobs so i so i roll i rolled the the resume out like this sideways and basically i said okay so look here's my resume (laughs) (laughs) so uh we got marlon like this 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 job we've got marlon brando this job we got yuri geller this job we got irish mafia what you want to start with (laughs) (laughs) this section i was a musician so basically i spoke through the resume from the context of like story points so with the marlon brando story i would i'll tell him about how i'd met marlon brando but at the same time how the reason why i met him was because i started this company called visionet with a couple of partners and we were going around ireland trying to sell pages on the internet and so then the yuri geller story and the irish mafia and it all kind of tied in that way well that's something i as i've I've been advocating for a long time on the show is the power of story. Yeah. For storytelling. It's, you know, so much of the stuff you read on the web or on Hacker News are just, uh, you know, these sort of, um, what do you call it? Uh, I don't just articles where people are telling you do this or don't do that or whatever. And it's, it's not in the story form. Right. Direct prose, or I, I guess you might say. But um, stories are what people really get into, really enjoy. And it also helps them remember. Right, creates right. a context, and so they can remember if there if there's something you're trying to get uh, a point you're going to cross, a moral, a uh, a a a lesson about you know uh, 
you know, best practices or anything. If you put it in, 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 in and you couch it in terms of a story or present it in terms of a story, people remember. We, we somehow our brains are geared towards remembering stories, right? And uh, and it's just flat out more entertaining. If you're like, all right, story time, everybody's <laughs> right. like, all right, everybody's like, story. I, you know. and so another thing when we when we spoke about the virtual Irish pub, which I started, I said the best thing about this startup was. This, you know, it, the best thing I got from this startup was my wife. <laughs> so, he's, so he's like, oh, wow, tell me about that. So it was, yeah, it worked really nicely. I think that, um, I think of any interview I've ever had with, you know, someone influential in that kind of sense, this, this was played the best. You know, it, was, it just went really well, yeah. Well, because you were able to present yourself as a person, as a human being, as opposed to a list of bullet points of like technologies and right. Imagine if names. we had just discussed the tech. It'd be like, oh yeah, well I did PHP here. Oh yeah, I did some JavaScript here. Like boring. Yeah, boring. I mean, it's like I'm bored even thinking about it. Right. I think imagining it. It's just yeah. Um, that's anyway, great. Yeah, that's so awesome. I just wanted to, to tell you that. So uh, the super secret meeting in Chicago. Right. And we'll maybe know more about that or you can talk more about that in two three weeks maybe. yeah yeah there, there, there's definitely gonna be a time when this this all this secrecy will be uncovered <laughs> all will be revealed yeah. the truth is out there all right so uh, what else is going on uh you know what like no why don't you go <laughs> why don't oh, I'm, I I'm looking i'm sitting there looking at you with your list of stuff i don't have as so. big of a list this time for some reason but uh let me see what i got um let's see what i got well, um, yeah, you know, I'm going to start with a story. Great. Um, there's a, it was a, or a, uh, an article, I guess. Uh, there was a, an article called Sequel is Agile. Huh. That, uh, yeah, I, I didn't read it, but I saw the title. I saw yeah, it, it was just really struck me as, as, as pretty, and has making some good points because, you know, there's been this big move to no sequel. Yeah. Mongo and DB, MongoDB in particular, or CouchDB or whatever. And, and the, the reason that, People are thinking um, NoSQL is that you can just kind of shove this JavaScript object, this JSON object, into some into a data store, and it seems pretty simple. There's not yeah. a lot to do. Um, but the problem with that, or one of the problems with that, is that the the data is um, initially it's not it's denormalized, right? It's it's not normalized data, so. You don't have indexes set up on things, and setting up indexes on objects later becomes more problematic. It's more confusing. So it's like if you if if you if you put a bunch of data into a relational database in, in your in your tables, it's very easy to change indexes and define new relationships between those tables. Although it does take a long time, right? So you know, as I it takes a long time. So so I experienced recently, like I just wanted to you know add an index, and it took like three hours. You yeah, know. it takes a long time if you have tons of data. It yeah. doesn't take a long time in the first six months of the company or whatever. That's it takes true. A long time. Yeah, you've been around for years. You have tables with millions of rows. Yeah, later you're trying to make adjustments. Okay, right. And 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 and, and I think that that point is well taken. So, and that's one of the reasons that um, that the NoSQL databases started to gain traction because you'd hear stories about companies who would try and make some schema change and it would take forty eight hours or something. It was just it was like you couldn't even do it. Yeah, and I remember FriendFeed wrote a um, a well known, uh, widely read post where they talked about how they just would shove the entire schema into one row. It would just be the data, and they'd have a couple other of uh, um, a couple other 
columns, which would just would, were essentially served as sort of like uh, indexes or something, like pivot, maybe pivot columns, or yeah, something like that. something like that. But yeah. essentially, all the data was just shoved as they used it like a NoSQL data store, and you know, and 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 of course, there's a lot of talk about how you know when when you get when you when you're really trying to scale that normalized normalized data structure can be really costly. Yeah, and uh, the guy in the article is agreeing with that. He's like, he's not he's not saying that that isn't true but a lot of times what happens is well as we know you can if you index your data right you can usually work around most of those things mm-hmm. but if it gets to a point where that doesn't even work then that's the time to start think about transitioning to NoSQL. yeah are using denormalized methods inside a table i mean i remember back in 2004 something like that um i can't remember the guy's name but the the, the cto um over at Flickr wrote about that and i remember him talking about something like normalization is for sissies <laughs> <laughs> it's not as funny. It was a slideshow, basically, on how they designed their database Flickr to scale, on how how they used how they had to use a lot of of denormalized um, uh, methods in order to just be able to handle the traffic. Yeah, yeah. And, and were they using MySQL or MySQL and PHP? Yeah, yeah. yeah I see. Yeah. I mean, the 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 bottom line is that you know you you jump to the, a lot of these startups. Everybody wants to use the latest hottest tech. Right. Everybody wants to use Mongo or Redis or, you know, Node and, and whatever. And, um, and that's fine. But the, the problem is that with the, with the NoSQL is that you're premature, it's a premature optimization. It's because when you have a bunch of denormalized data and then you realize that you don't have, your, your data structure isn't correctly mapping to the problem you need to solve, which usually is not always the case, which is usually the case, right? You start out. You start out. You start out. A, you start a new company, and just like how you know the the whole lean startup meme has is has has grown, and everyone you know has come to understand that there's going to be a lot of rapid changes, and you're going to try a lot of things. Well, if your data structure is built in such a way that it's denormalized and it's harder to adjust, then it's harder. Then then your your data store, this your schema is going to hold you back, or your lack of schema, because you still have a schema even if it's denormalized. Your 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 schema is just sort of enforced by your the code. The code. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's still a schema. It's just a. It's just not an. It's like a virtual etheric schema, right? And uh, he he was the guy was telling the story about how you know they were screwed because they couldn't they couldn't get the data out. It was too the way because it was stored in this denormalized fashion. There was no easy way to get the data. So basically, out. they drunk the Kool Aid, and and gone the wrong way when they should have gone with MySQL. I mean, I I, I think that's a very good point. Um, I mean, with with Plugio, um, I've just been using MySQL, and it's now reaching the point where I'm starting to think about using NoSQL because of some of these really really big tables. Yeah, I mean. But even then, I'm not sure I need to because I've I've heard that, you know, MySQL scales up to like a billion rows. Yeah, I I I think that you can scale it. I think you probably could just use. It's just about indexing or, or changing your data structures around a little bit, probably. Yeah. But if you if you if if it doesn't, you can always maybe move some of it over to a NoSQL data store. Like the really the, the, you denormalize the data the data in such a way that either you have tables for the denormalized data. Um, or you have, or you move that over to another data store. But Uber still uses, um, you know, well, they were up to, we were using MySQL until very recently. In like the last couple of months, they switched over to Postgres because of some um, GPS type of functionality that's built into Postgres. So Uber, I wanted to talk to you about Uber. Mm-hmm. Um, in Chicago, I got an Uber, but this, this, the cab driver was also using this Halo service as well. Mm-hmm. So he was on Halo and Uber. Mm-hmm. And he, he liked both of them, but he was really singing the praises of Halo. He said that he preferred Halo to Uber. For he's a, a taxi driver? Yeah, he's a taxi driver, yeah. 
and you know for for a couple of reasons but that are really easy to solve mm -hmm. um basically one that on the uber software the tips calculated that, that they can't change the tip mm -hmm. on the halo they can go up to 50 percent mm -hmm. so that it, it sounds kind of counterintuitive but if you think about it on short fares like five bucks that's when you want to go up to 50 percent. oh i'm going to give them a two buck tip or something like that mm -hmm. so that was one thing yeah there's no there's no real tipping well i don't know how it works with cabs at least in, in town cars oh no it, it, it's 20 percent yeah, it's 20 percent it's not 20, a tip it's just that's your take no no there, there is 20 percent tip included in the Uber. oh there. okay it is yeah. okay for taxi. yeah there, okay. there is uh -huh. so so but but no with with the black cars as well no they don't do tips it's not tips Oh, okay, fair enough. Well, with the with the cabs, there's twenty percent included anyway. Okay. So with with the Halo one, they get to choose what the tip the, the customer can choose the tip. Um, well, I can see that would be good for taxis, but it may not be per person. I don't like tipping. I think tipping is annoying. I'd rather be yeah. just built into the price. I find tipping kind of, especially for things like taxi cabs, where it's just like you're just doing your job. So Why so so it's more of a customer's perspective. But then again, no, it's more of a provider's perspective. The customer's yeah. perspective, it's like I just like whatever the price is, I just want to pay it. I don't have to worry about. I don't have to be sort of guilted into having to pay some extra amount. And I mean, I, I think it's just it's nice to just say this is the amount. Pay but, it. Just like you don't like going to negotiate a car in a car dealership, like you know, it's Saturn. Was it Saturn dealerships or those CarMax or whatever? They, this is the price. There is negotiation. It feels much. I better. like to give tips, and I, and I like I like if if the person I've been with has been, you know, really good to talk to and interesting. Then I'd like to give them, you know, more or whatever. That's that's just me. But um, what's the other thing? Um, I, I think that was the main thing. Yeah, that was the main thing. But, oh no, no, there so was he, no, there was one other thing. There was one other thing. Uh, it, there's there's no custom support. He what well, he feels anyway. He hasn't been able to get through to customer support for Uber. Whereas Halo, there's it's really easy to get in touch with someone. Yeah, I've heard the same thing from a lot of drivers who've said that they can't get across get through to customer support. And I think the reason is is that they're just growing way. They're too growing rapidly. too fast. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like it's like Google. Yeah. I mean, it's like how do you get in touch with Google? I mean, they're growing so fast. People are going to use it anyway. Um, it's part of the reason. And I think there's more customer support for clients, but not for drivers. Oh, yeah. Okay. And there was one other point, And this was, I, this was, I think, a minor point, but to him, the most annoying for some reason. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. Basically, when he dropped off a fare, the little blue dot stopped moving with him. He wanted, he wanted the blue dot to still follow after the fare was dropped. So the blue dot stayed on the map in the same place where the fare was dropped. But he wanted it to just continue to act like a normal map and follow him. Who's the blue dot? Him. Him. He wants to... Mo he's moving. Yeah. But it just showed him where it was dropped off. Yeah. So basically, when he drops off a fare, the blue dot doesn't track him on the map anymore. So it doesn't kind of show where he is on the map. Hmm. And That's weird. Yeah. So it just kind of stays there. And that, that was it. Yeah. I don't know. But I haven't... So, that, so I just promised him I'd give him that feedback to someone who was... <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you what. Feedback's not going anywhere because I'm not going over to have these conversations at all because I really don't care. <laughs> it's like, hey, it turns out a tax driver in Chicago would like more of a tip. <laughs> you know, I like people to give them a tip, more of a tip. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> okay, use Halo, I guess. I mean, I don't really. Yeah, it's not my. Uh, you know, I mean, there's been a couple things that some of the drivers have told me that I thought were interesting and useful feedback, and I tried to. I, I told Scott, who's head of, he's one of the guys who sort of run operations up there, and I don't know if it goes anywhere or not. Um, but because they've heard everything, anything I'm going to say, they've heard a million times. They've heard a million times, yeah. Right. So it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah we know. You know. So they're, they're just making like strategic strategic decisions like, look, let's just focus on this. Let's just focus on growing this out. What, I don't know. what. Yeah. I, yeah, frankly, I don't know what. I, I have yeah. no idea what the priorities, strategic object, objectives, 
anything you're, is with the with the uh, operations growth side of it. You're just the horse that pulls the cart. I'm just one of the uh, you know. I'm just one of the, one of the guys. I'm just one. No, I'm just one of the uh, guys who build stuff. Black ops. Black ops. Dude. I'm one <laughs> of the. Well, I want So they have 32 engineers now. Oh my lord. 32. Wow. And so there's five of us who do five, six, five who do the uh, the dispatching system. Wow. So it's that's good. so there's the, a fu- that's pretty serious. Yeah, and that's just the dispatching system. You know, obviously before it was just me. Well, how do you work? I, I'm interested. Like, how do you work with a team of five? Like, how does that work? How do I, Jason How does Roberts? Jason Roberts work with a team of five? I, I'm really interested to hear Not how, well. how that all hangs together. <laughs> well, I, I, I kind of have an interesting, um, I kind of have an interesting uh, way of interacting with them. So those, most of the, the five or six guys who work on Dispatch, I'm trying to think of those. We got Amos, Conrad, David, Align, and me and Curtis is VP of engineering, you yeah. know, occasionally puts his two cents in on things. And occasionally I'll see some other personal write some little piece. And I'm like, who is that guy? Like he'll just <laughs> dip his toe in. And I'm like, I don't even know who that person is. Like I'll see some commit yeah. pull request. And <clears throat> so new engineer, <clears throat> excuse me. So yeah. So those, the guys up at Uber HQ who are working on this, they're kind of back and forth all day, merging and rebasing and dealing with little air bugs and redeploying and like it's happening all day long. <clears throat> I don't really do that. I have more, um, and it might just be, it's partially my personality. It's partially because I'm not in the office there. And um, it's probably just because of the way things evolve. But I tend to take bigger standoff, self-standing projects. Like I'll, you know, I you know I built the simulator. Or I built the original dispatch, or I built like this new simulated API. Um, built the profiler. I built the profiler. Or I yeah. built the validator. So I'll just take or the inspector. So I'll just build some whole new thing. Yeah. Rather than going on and just like back, they're back and forth and hip chat all day. And this is thing, and I roll this bug. Oops, we got to roll that back and fix this. And I'll be on. You know, they're doing that. <laughs> I just kind of watch out of the corner of my eye, and and every once in a while I'll say something and. You know, but usually I just kind of interact with one of the guys up there who's more closely. But do you f- don't you find then like you've worked on this big piece of functionality and then you go to check it in and you try and do a, a push and it's like all clashing or something like that? Well, I try and uh, I, I try and rebase it off the latest. What is rebasing? Branch. Rebasing. Can you explain well, that? Well, okay. <laughs> I'm not a Git voodoo master. Yeah. Like these other guys. I, 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 I interact with as little as I have to because I just find it sort of annoying yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and probably i find it annoying for the reason that i haven't mastered it and it's just oh complex and right. it's, you, get, you get yourself into problems yeah and it's just probably one of those things where this the my lack of expertise um is, is a self-perpetuating issue you're right right or amos you're the other painting day, yourself into a corner or just before you answer your question uh i was having a uh, amos who's one of the uh the, the dispatch guys works on dispatch and I were having a, a, a sort of a, a meeting about talking about the, the grid version dispatch. And, uh, I said, yeah, okay, I'll just do this. Then I'll, I'll rebase it off the layout, the grid branch. He's like, wait a minute, hold on, hold on. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta uh, tell Amos, I gotta tell Curtis, Jason just said rebase. <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> we're making progress. That's awesome. Uh, like, yeah, yeah. Okay. So what is it? What is it? So rebasing is, 
and I know I'm, I'm normally get this wrong. So if you're getting mastered, understand. I know I don't have this quite right, but so essentially, you're 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 putting the changes that you're doing that are more relative to that particular branch. You're rebase it off an existing branch rather than trying to do like some kind of merge. It's a different way of doing merging, and I think it just it just so if, so if I've been writing some code and I branched off a of master, and someone else has a different creates a different branch, and that. And that branch is going to be merged back into master, but that's sort of like the new leading branch. Yeah. I might go and rebase my stuff off of that branch. And I think it kind of puts my changes relative to those, to that branch. To the new branch. Now, and I, again, I know that's not quite accurate, but that's the way I under, I think about it. Oh, wow. It. That's confusing. Exactly. That's why. I, it's another thing <laughs> is by doing these self-standing projects, I don't have to do as much of that stuff. I mean, these guys are... Doing resolving merge conflicts and rebasing and redeploying to that stuff all day long, and and I just kind of hold myself out separate. Yeah. And then like once a week, I pop in. All right, guys, here they've got their ten thousand hours at rebasing. Yeah, I, <laughs> I know it's stupid, but uh, whatever. So one thing was really interesting since we're talking about Uber <clears throat> is did, did, did I talk much about the, the grid dispatch architecture? The sort no. of distributed. Oh, mesh well, you spoke. Thing? You spoke vaguely about it. Yeah. Yeah. So the way that whole thing played out is. You know, I've been talking about how we needed to have a distributed dispatching system. Now, when you say distributed, does that mean each node server, that there's multiple node servers? Is that what you mean? So the way it works now is, okay, first of all, let's take two steps back, three steps back. When PHP and Python and Ruby, there isn't a continuously running program. There's just the web server, right? Yeah, yeah. At least I think that's the way it works with with Ruby. I know for PHP, that's the case. So um, you just... You know, you, you do a call on a URL, the, it's the web a script. server yeah, finds yeah. it and, and loads it's not the script. A demon. Loads it's it. not a demon, no, yeah. And maybe maybe the script is already preloaded, pre-cached. But regardless, it's it starts right then. Yeah. And now with Node, kind of like Java, um, it's a continuously running program. Okay, so all so you can requests... share variables. Yes, you can share variables. All requests come in to that same process. Okay. So like if you and I were both making requests to a PHP web server... Your script and my script would have no knowledge of one another unless yeah, we stuck yeah. data into a cache or into the into the database. Now you could theoretically have one open up and it hits some kind of loop and it's running a socket, and it, and mine opens up a socket. But that's really it's that's complicated it's really stuff. Complicated. I mean, I've done that kind of thing, but, but <laughs> I've done it and yeah, it sucks. Yeah. And it's not really built for it. And yeah, I wouldn't recommend it um, unless you just have a lot of time to burn. But Node, um, it's single threaded, so that your request comes in and my request comes in and. They're both variables. They're both request objects or connection objects. I can't remember. You know, depends on how you kind of name stuff, I guess. But so just think of each one of us have a, as a connection. Yeah. In, and the and the server, if it's if, if it hasn't answered mine before it answers yours, then I know. Then it can share that information. Yeah. So that's why, like, doing something like a chat server. Yeah. Is naturally is easy. Yeah. Or, or, yeah, or some kind it, yeah. of semi real time game. You can't really do that with PHP very easily unless you had some kind of unless you did some weird voodoo with a cron script contingency running and right. et cetera. So <clears throat> now the so the way we had way we built it is that we had one process running for each city. Okay, so there was one node process dispatch node process running for San Francisco, one for New York, one for DC, so one by for Austin, et cetera. One node process, you mean one node server. Well, it's a, yeah, it's a server. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's a process accepting request. So it, it's a web server is built into. The, so think of the web server like, like Apache, you know, re- interpreting so you, so, stuff so, and so, PHP merge so into one thing. Merge Apache and PHP and 
can we call it a server or it has to be called a process? You can call it whatever you want. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 but no, because the reason why I say that is because yeah. I think of the server as something that is like you start this thing, it has config files, no. and, and that's what it is. No, no, okay. no you would you would you create a, a JavaScript file that might say you could say in, in you could say I in a note in a in a JavaScript file, you know, console.log hello world, and that's the entire JavaScript file, and node just runs that, and then that's it. Or you could say something called create server. Server var server equals new server, you know, you know, and then you pass it like the port and then you say, listen, and then on new request, do this callback function. Okay, so each process is basically a config file. That's the way to think of it. Like a config file that uses JavaScript. It's like, so if, if, if we took the Apache analogy, like the way you create a virtual host, that's one node process. I guess I, I I don't know if that analogy holds up completely, but just think of it as that you create yeah. you create the web okay. server as a, it's a simple object. I mean, all it is is that all, all essentially a web server is is a is a is a listening socket. It's a socket listener, a socket server that's but, accepting incoming sockets, yeah. parsing the text that is sent through the socket, assuming that it's HTTP, reading the headers, parsing it, and then passing it off to some other script. Awesome, but Node is a kernel kind of thing, like an executable. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And you don't have you don't spark up one version of the executable for every one of these processes that you're talking about. You just use the same one. Fine. I get it. No worries. Go. Yeah. So so you would but you would for each city you would have it. You, you'd say node space dispatch Perfect. server yeah. space San Francisco. Get it. And so when it would look up when it would know what San Francisco is passes a command line argument, it would look into a config file and say what are San Francisco um, settings yeah. versus get New York process yeah. and then, you know whatever. So anyway. You could, you, as you as it might seem obvious, is that at some point you have too many cars and drivers on a single city that that one process, which is going to be mapped to a single core and a server, is going to not be able to handle the load. Yeah, and using the profiler, uh, the dis- the dispatch crew or Black Ops was able to do a lot of magic to try and make it more and more efficient. I mean, we they found all we tried all, everything and. You know, there were some very clever things done to make it faster and faster and faster. But you knew eventually you were going to hit that ceiling. There's yeah. only so fast you can make things at, at some point, right? And and um and so and I had been saying since probably well, I've been saying since a year ago. It was like November, December. I said, you know, and this is back when we we're using like a one one process was using like eight percent or ten yeah. percent or twelve percent of the CPU. That we ultimately need a swarm or a grid of dispatch. So you might have 20 node processes running on different servers and they all accept requests for San Francisco or whatever city. And uh, in back, in back in, uh, I started to really try and push it back in, um, I'm thinking like June. And that's when this, the, the dispatch server itself on San Francisco, which are busy, was our busiest city was sitting around 20% or 25% or something. And we looked at the numbers. We talked to Jesse, who's the uh, CFO, and he was looking at the growth numbers for each cities and how things go. And Curtis was sitting there. He's like, no, I think we got at least 18 months. <laughs> I was like, I don't know, guys. I mean, because I always think of Greg Kurzweil's, you know, uh, warning about how humans have a hard time understanding the power of the exponential. Yeah. We think linearly. And um, I and, and based on Uber's growth, I was thinking, I don't know, I think it's going to be sooner than that sure enough come october i mean we're doing or even september all all, all these guys are working on ways to make things faster 
we're on the off profiler all day long. Like, try, can we do this? I'm going to try this. I'm going to use, we're going to try to use message pack instead of JavaScript. By the way, that's a fail. Don't do that. We're going to try and, you know, you know. Oh, message pack. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. Tell us about that. Well, I, I, just as a quick aside, yeah. I mean, we tried to do that. We, in Amos and he, I even had to go in and write some C++ because they didn't do, uh, the message pack didn't handle dates, I think. Now, is message pack the, this, the new JavaScript thing that I've seen floating around Hack and News that basically creates a, a much more tightly, uh, a compressed version of JSON? Kind of, yeah. yeah that's, okay. And that's what they claim to be faster, but um, we found that it was just way slower. Interesting. Yeah, okay. I mean, we really worked on it. I mean, that was a big thing. And I yeah. actually built, I, I had to build a special, what we call an object viewer that would allow us to inspect all the data that was stored in Redis as message back because you couldn't just get it out and look at it. Yeah. You could not look at JSON. You could yeah. print it, pretty yeah. print it out and go, okay, I can see what. Interesting. So basically, it was just better to just have JSON. Yeah. And then I, we read some, I read some article recently where they ran a bunch of tests and they found the same thing. So it wasn't just us. Okay. So message pack was a, was at least. Anyway, so, no. so this, the grid architecture, like, can you give us uh, a hint on what it actually looks like, how that works? Yeah. Well, okay. So you have. One okay. Let me just tell them the rest of the story. All right. Okay. All right. So so things were starting to get crazy, and and um, it got to, it was like in November sometime, and I was thinking, you know, or early November or something, and I'm like, you know, we're I don't think I I, I don't think we're gonna make it. I don't think we're gonna make New Year's Eve. I mean, New Year's Eve is always just a blowout for us. And the guys are like, ah, we're you know, are we've peaked at 450 cars, and maybe we could easily handle five or six hundred. And I, I was telling Conrad, I don't know, dude. <laughs> I don't think it's. I think it's going to be more than that. I said, I'll bet you. I think I won the bet, I, but I can't remember the numbers because we didn't write it down. But and uh, and so and then I and I and I'm on hip chat. I'm watching hip chat, and the guys are constantly, we should try this. Or this isn't working. And you start to see the panic starting to set in. Yeah. You know, that we're just, because there was like a big weekend night and it just didn't, we, we, we were hitting 95 or 90 or 95 or almost near a hundred percent. And they're like, Oh, we're, they people are having ideas. Like, what if we do this? And that will save us 10%. This will save us 5%. And, and I was thinking, you guys are thinking in terms of nickels and dimes, but we need, we need to think in terms of real, Money. We need to move Gosh. to a different map location. Yeah, you, 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 we need to think in terms of orders of magnitude. How do we get two orders of magnitude more scalability on this? Not twenty percent more, fifty percent more. And but there, I could tell there was a lot of of just general. There was going to be a lot of resistance to it because the, as you can imagine, I mean, the, the dispatch system is the heart of Uber. Right. That cannot fail. Yeah. Or, or if it does, it has to be a very minor fail for a couple trips. I mean, it would just be a disaster to have, you know, th- hundreds of th- or thousands of people on real trips and just things just get wiped out and just be, you know, you know, just imagine if they just got just disappeared. So have you switched over to the grid system? Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to tell a story. I'm telling a story. So <laughs> I was th- I was watching my hip chat and I go and I was telling and I said, you know, we got to do the grid. I'm like, screw it. I'm just going to build this thing myself and I'm just going to show <laughs> up in a week and be like, here you go, guys. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Thank you. And good night. But um, I was like, I was telling Sandy because I said, I know how to build this thing. But I'm I said it probably wouldn't be very politically smart to do that. I might people be a little bit upset. Because, and and I had mentioned to Amos, who's one of really sharp. I, I think he's one of the sharpest developers to have, and he's only like twenty four, and he's a he's a good buddy of mine. And I said, <clears throat> and I told him the previous time I was up there I, that I talked about the grid. And he's like, yeah, I think we should totally work on that. I agree. And so he had called me. He called me up around this time when I was thinking about doing it, and he's like, hey, so what's going on? I'm like, 
Amos, I got a secret. <laughs> He's like, what? I was like, I got to do architecture for dispatch. The, the grid. He's like, oh, me too. I've been thinking about the same thing. And so I was like, all right. So I think we should probably do it together. So He's like, well, why don't you write up a, a Google Doc explaining what it is, and we can go back and forth and kind of do it. So that's what we did, and we, I wrote up the Google document explaining how the architecture would work and why it would work and the different cases that edge cases that you need to be careful of. And I'll, I'll explain what those are. And then he would go back up, and he would add his two cents. And so it was kind of a little bit of a mind meld of our two. Mm, cool. His was a little more conservative. Mine was a little more aggressive. I mean, his his idea was that it should only be on one because of the way we write to Redis lo- on, locally on a, on a particular city, that we would we just use the core. So one city would only scale as far as the cores on that one machine. Mm-hmm. But since you can get like 16 cores. You wanted to go fully memcache distribution. Like. Not memcache, but just that you would have, you could have uh, dispatch servers on, on multiple servers on, on multiple locations. Well, yeah, that's what I meant by the memcache like distribution. That's the way that they, it works. It's like you can just have this thing. This one memcache spread across like, you know, 50 machines kind of thing. Right. So that's that's the direction you were going in, yeah. Yeah, so but he his was a little more conservative in just in the, just in the sense that it would you would have you'd have it on one machine. And um which makes sense to be more conservative because he's the one of the guys who lives and dies with this thing throughout the day, right? So you went with his. So I said, all right, fine. I mean, you know, I was like, all right, okay. well, well, I mean, it was a, like I said, it was kind of a mind merge, mind meld where we yeah. took his idea of keeping it on one machine and using the, I don't know. But it's still going to, it's still going to be exponentially oh, yeah. larger. I mean, yeah, way, way, you know, or just, it's going to be rather the limit of one, you have 16 times at least as big. Yeah. And at least you're, you're moving in a step to having it towards what I'm talking about. Yeah. And so he ended up actually writing the code for it after we have it all architected out. Um, and, I, but I ended up, so what I had to do, because there was no way to test it because the simulator, our simulator is so slow because it depends on the API, which is this big API uh, Python thing. Mm-hmm. And it and, it, and it, because the Python API is such so ponderous, you could do at most five. I could do at most five cars and five drivers wow. in simulation, which is terrible, right? Yeah. So I had to write a simulated API where you could do. I think on my machine I could do like six hundred fifty cars or six hundred fifty clients, which which would allow us to actually simulate a distributed architecture. How am I yeah. going to simulate a distributed architecture with five gliders and five drivers? Yeah. So I built that while well, he kind of, he built the the code to, for the actual grid. But, and it was funny because we, we kind of, we had this plan like, okay, we're going to like, how are we going to present this? Cause we knew there was going to be resistance you know, from the other guys because it's scary. Yeah. Like you want to change it. You want to do what, you know, like that's <laughs> insane. I mean, and, and I, so I, I told him, I said, I think this is as much a political issue, an emotional issue as is going to be a technical issue, but so we're going to have to, you know, present our case and, and, and do it in a way that's going to preserve egos and, and, and also be smart uh, from a sort of strategic point of view, because if our, we don't want to, if we, if our fail, if our st- proposal fails in some ways, we don't want to be screwed. And so, I was I was on my flight to go up to Uber, go up to San Francisco, and I was delayed because of the the as it always is because of the roll off in San Francisco, the the fog. And so I get up there about two hours later, and I walk in. And I'm like, Amos, what's up? He's like, dude, I went in and I I I, I like. He's like, I I went in and I told him we're doing it, and this is we're you know this is what's happening, and. I was like, what? I'm like, you charged by yourself? It's like he got on his horse and said, charge. We're all like, what's that guy going? <laughs> but he broke the line and he got them to all concede that that was something worth pursuing. And then we ended up a follow up me with the other guys. And 
I kind of smoothed it over a little bit, you know, or just try to make sure. Right, look, I said, let's let's think of it this way. Amos and I will work on the grid. Consider it plan B. You guys keep with current architecture and keep trying to shave off as much uh, as much of the uh, of the CPU percentage as you can. And because ours is obviously a riskier play, but if plan A, if, if the current architecture can't handle it, no matter how much how much more efficient you make it, we better have a plan B. Otherwise, we're going to have brownouts, blackouts, and uh, Travis, CEO, is going to lose his shit. I mean, and it's going to be our fault, right? So you don't want that to happen. You want to have a plan B. Right. And so they're like, yeah, that makes sense. And so everybody could feel good, right? We, could, we, could have two, we have two strategies, a more, a more conservative one, a more riskier one. You know, because they were like, because the way they thought about it, they being the other guys in this batch other than Amos and I was like, this is going to be like a six-month project. Um, and so what, um, but it wasn't a six-month project. No, Amos and I were like, we'll have this done on Thursday. <laughs> right. <laughs> it wasn't quite, it was a little more more like a, you know, a couple weeks it was mostly done with some dabbling here. But a couple weeks was like part-time working on it. We, we pretty much had most of it sorted out and Amos had most of it coded up in a few days. Huh. And and what was the what was the event that tipped it over to to move from one to the other? Well, a- Amos was pushing. So you know, I'm back in Pasadena, so I'm not I'm not dealing with this on a day to day basis. But Amos was constantly trying to roll it out to some of the smaller cities that had like five or ten cars. Oh, I see. Sure so to just test it out. Okay, yeah. we got it on Vegas. It has no cars. We got it in Tampa that has five or ten, or we got it in Phoenix or whatever. And then it's and that's proving it's fine. And then and then moving up to slightly larger and larger cities. And if there was a case where something, there was a bug and there were a few small bugs here and there, we'll go out, fix it and then roll it out. Yeah. And the big event, the coming out party was New Year's Eve. Right. Well, actually, no, the coming, I wasn't the coming out party. I mean, we had been Because we used, we used Uber on New Year's Eve. Oh, did you? Yeah, we did. Here in LA? Here in LA, yeah. Did it work okay? It worked, it, it worked really well. Um, the only issue is, is my misunderstanding of how it worked. So when I opened the app, I just assumed that it was going to know my exact address. Mm-hmm. So I just clicked order a cab from here. Mm-hmm. But the cab went somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> like a few, just a few blocks you get a up. A cab or a car? A black car, yeah. Black car. Black car. So it went a few blocks up. But the other thing is, it, 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 the message that it came up, it was, it was like, wow, we are way over capacity. We're charging 2.5 times as much as normal. Are you okay with that? And I'm like, I guess. <laughs> 50 yeah. bucks to go Search. a few blocks. Surge pricing. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, I thought that was pretty good that it did that. But yeah, no, it was really nice to... We went to a bar called Sassafras. Mm-hmm. Basically, they've moved a building from Savannah into the middle of uh, LA. So mm. it was like a, a trip back to Savannah. It's, it's a that's really fine. nice bar. Um, but it was great to pull, pull outside that in like a black limo, you know. Felt, oh, that's cool. Felt kind of cool. But anyway, yeah, it worked, worked nice. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so, well, so essentially what happened with, on New Year's Eve is um, all of the major cities except for Chicago. Chicago's like the fourth busiest, I think, or third busiest now, because Chicago's busier because it has a lot of cabs on there as opposed yeah. to just 10 cars. But New York, San Francisco, D.C., Boston, they all had grid, no problems. I mean, they were maxing at like 40 or 50%, with, and, just, with just like three, with like three worker cities, you know? So that three, was good. Three or four, like three or four, and it's like, it. I think the efficiency because of the overhead of communication, they might be, Maybe seventy percent. So what? Chicago There's seventy percent overhead, additional load. But if you can distribute over, you know, sixteen cores effectively, then that's a, a huge savings. Did Chicago go higher? Chicago was the only one it didn't, and that was the only one we had problems with. It, so what, it what was, happened it was with Chicago? It was at one hundred percent. 
Oh, because it was just too oh, busy. Oh, there was some freakouts and there was some like, manual interventions and there's some trips that got. I mean, nothing that was major, but I mean, it was there was stress and there were screw ups, and it was because um, Chicago wasn't on grid. Oh, it wasn't on grid. It wasn't on grid. All the other big ones were on grid. Oh, the grid saved the day. <laughs> yeah, nice. that's the so grid saved the day. I mean, uh, you know, so it's good that. Yeah, I mean, great. I mean, look, Amos did the actual. Yeah, coding on. We architected together. Was all, but you know, he actually wrote the the code. So I have to give that to him. Amos is, like I said, a super sharp coder. One thing. And, uh, one thing. I know that we probably should move on from this story, but there's one thing that I wanted to just quickly get into is, you said you created a simulator. Mm-hmm. How does how do you simulate 600 cars? Like, do you do you just do it from your one web browser, or does it go onto <laughs> multiple different machines? I mean, how does? How- no, 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 no. So I just write an, another script, node process. Yeah. that creates. 600 drivers, 600 clients, you know, sticks them in the database, creates a database entry for them. Yeah. And, uh, is that running from one machine or one machine and one process? And it just uses like a, you know, the random number generator to figure out like, Hey, are you going off duty or on duty? Are you going to pick this up? Are you going to decline it? So these, these are they independent like objects. They're all these independent objects running inside this one process and things just kind of just, so it's like Sim City. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. So you've created this SimCity thing that's connecting to your your grid server, right? Okay. To the dispatch. So sending, so sending, you know, requests and cancellations and pickups and in the dispatch servers, you know, doing. But is it also it sending the uh, like the you know the the two every two seconds saying yes. moving from here to here to here to does here. everything? Yeah, huh. it does all location messages. So it does all that. So um, how, I, how how many cars could you test on that? Could you test like two thousand cars? I mean, or will it never get that? Big? Uh, well, on my machine could handle 650. And after 650, I had sockets were just not, we couldn't handle the sockets. So you need to create a grid simulator, like yeah. a grid simulator. You would need to create a grid simulator. That's a good <laughs> point. So I built the sim- I built the first version of simulator back a year, a year and a half ago or whenever. When I first built the dispatch system, I had to, some way to test it out. Yeah. Right? How are you going to test it out? And uh, and that's turned out to be really useful in terms of finding, you know, how, where things are going to break or not. Um, so it kind of, cause it quickly over a period of time, just that probability covers all, all the states, you yeah. know, you let it run for 20 minutes and it just like covers everything and you're like, okay, it looks pretty solid. I mean, you have unit tests too, but it's hard to write all the unit tests in case, special case tests. So they just run the simulator and it just is, it's very effective, but because the simulator relies on the API and the API is so CPU intensive that you just couldn't use more than five or 10 kinds of 10 drivers. So the, what I had to r- write that would allow us to test the grid system on that that Amos was working on was I had to write a simulated API client. So the simulator, both the simulator and the uh, the dispatch make calls to an, a Python API. Mm-hmm. So I wrote like a mock API. So it was just, it was in process. So it was I pretended like it was going to go and, and do something, but it didn't. It just returned the data. It says, okay, this is this yeah. is basically you know fake data that is representative of what was going to happen and that that allow us to go from five drivers five clients to 600 or whatever awesome so that's that's it so that's it but uh again you know like i said it Great Amos wrote the code the and 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 the in the up until the last couple months few months i mean it was david and conrad and line who were working on shaving off cpu usage from the current to make keep it alive so we can make it this far so they're at the up the front line and you guys are coming charging from the rear yeah, I, I, you know, I mean, it was, yeah, it was, it was you know, you want to, you want to plan B. You always yeah. want to plan B because <laughs> I was like, I, I, one thing I kept saying, I was like, you, we do not, the reason we want grid is because we do not want the grid when it's too late. We want right. the grid before we need it. And second of all, we don't want 2013 to the, be 
Uber's year, Twitter year. Yeah. The fail whale year. Yeah. Because we're growing at that kind of speed. We, but, you know, we better be careful or we're going to be the next Twitter where it's like fail whale hell and everyone's become a big joke because we can't handle. And um, we'll just learn from their mistakes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, but one thing I'll say is that the current, art, the current, the older version, the pre-grid version, I mean, that handled, um, you know, that the scale that went 15x over that period of year, it handled that 50 growth of 15x. I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah. Great. You know, so it, 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 it was very scalable, but you know, any architecture at some point when you go an order two orders of magnitude is going to fall down at some point, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, the, uh, well, the last thing I was going to say about that is, uh, I think one of the guys, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Curtis told me one of his friends at Twitter said that they like have to re-architect their system every three months. They do? Something wow. like that. Cause it's the scalability cause it just keeps growing so fast. It's like, you know, yeah, it's just like anything you think is going to be infinitely scalable tends to run into problems. <laughs> and Gabriel Weinberg just wrote a, a, an, an article that hit Hacker News a couple of days ago called Orders of Magnitude. And he talks about that. He's like, you can usually envision your business like one order of magnitude bigger, but two orders of magnitude you can't because everything breaks. Everything that you think works or whether from the, whether from the business side or from the technical side, things just aren't the same. It's not the same company. It's not the same business. Hmm. It's not the same technology. It's not the same stack. Everything has to change. So he's still, so he's still doing well. DuckDuckGo is still growing. Yeah, we got to get him on the show. Again. We totally do. I, 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 Sandy, Sandy was asking me, uh, we were walking the kids to school this morning and she was, we were on the way back. She's like, you guys haven't done a lot of many interviews lately. And I'm like, yeah, we need to <laughs> yeah. get on that horse. I have a couple ideas and I think Gabriel's one of the guys we should get back on. Okay. So uh, why don't you, t- I've been talking like crazy. You tell me something. Tell, tell me. Some, so something new. So things continue to go really well with Udi. Yeah. Yeah, working with him. So it, yeah, it's it, he's really awesome. So we're working. So with, but, well, let's backtrack for people who might have missed that. Who's Udi and why are you working with him? Well, uh, so I'm working. Uh, one of the companies I'm working for is Digidoo, mm-hmm. and uh, basically we're building this uh, a- admin system, and I needed someone to help me code it. And um, actually, I was going to go to Odesk and look for some people, and Elon's looking for some and what'd people. What I say? You said. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. Let's, let's stick inside. Ne- stick inside network. Let's let's see if there's anyone we know. So uh, actually, you reminded me that Udi had said he was looking for a job. Right? He sent us both an email. And just yeah. said, Hey guys, I'm kind of looking for some remote contract work. PHP, MySQL, JavaScript. So he's you he's know. 23 and he's he's really sharp, you know. And um, well, he listened to the tech saying. I mean, I think oh, that goes without saying, right? Yeah. In that case, you're going <laughs> to of course, of course. So we've been looking at uh, different frameworks to build this out. And that's one great thing about when you start a new project, you can just pick a, pick a new framework, do it whatever way you want. You could do it with no framework if you wanted. Um, so we both wanted to do it in PHP because we know PHP. And we're looking at all the different frameworks that are out there. And there is obviously Cake, which is the, the big one. Uh, mm-hmm. And I mean big, and you've paid cake and symphony. And that they're all just so heavy. That's the problem that I don't like with a lot of these frameworks. They're so heavy. And you had pointed me to this slim framework, which I used for the first first incarnation of Digidoo. Mm-hmm. And I really like the slim framework. I mean, it's just so light. Well, especially for something that's essentially an API. Right. Well, that's, you see, that was an API. That's so, right. It, it was. It was a framework for building a PHP RESTful API. RESTful API. Now, so the problem is, is that the next incarnation of Digidoo is uses real pages rather than just a single page javascript mm-hmm. so now we need to use a real framework mm-hmm. so we looked around for a number of different frameworks that were something like slim mm-hmm. and actually udi pointed me to this great one called Lav- lavarel mm-hmm. um, which is like which has all, all that all that api stuff that slim has which is you know the put the guest all that stuff's in there put get delete kind of thing 
Mm-hmm. Um, but it also has a larger framework around it that you need, but not so large that it, it doesn't kind of impose itself on you in the same way as something like Cake would. Yeah. So anyway, so La- Lavarelle, I really like it. It's written by a French guy and the, the, the community seems awesome. So that's the framework that we use. Yeah, that's cool. I, uh, um, yeah, that's kind of why I don't like big frameworks. It's, they just kind of, uh, just they just boss you around, you know. Yeah, <laughs> scold it because you don't do everything the way they want to do it. And you know, there's usually there's usually a number of different ways to accomplish something. And the framework go, frameworks usually are built around a way that the particular developer or developers of it think it should be done best well but that might be not work best for you and then it keeps forces you into a corner it's always frustrating the other the other great thing about this framework is it's just got unit tests built in in a really easy to create way Mm. and um i feel that this kind of project uh the way that we're going to be rolling it out needs unit testing so we're going to we're going to do test driven development have you ever you've probably i know what it is yeah so it's awesome it's just really great to be able to code out your back end um with test driven development Wow, this is a really technical show, isn't it? It's okay. And then, um, and then plug in the front end. So, mm-hmm. so we are still building an API in the same way as we needed an API. I needed an API for the slim version. It is going to have just a pure API, but now we're plugging on a front end that's we're going to use Bootstrap, mm-hmm. right? Because that's just going to make it fast. Mm-hmm. And so, within Lavarel, we'll have like a, t- a templated front end that's going to speak to the API within its own system, and then we're also going to have a single page single web page which is good to talk just to the api right that makes sense yeah yeah <laughs> so because yeah. one of them's the mobile app and one of them's the admin interface so the admin face is gonna be multi-page thing it's not a single page javascript page not, yeah not like using yeah. backbone or something or- yeah exactly because it would just i mean if, if you think about like a typical admin interface that's that, that would be like i don't know like a wordpress cms like it just wouldn't make sense to make that as a no, single it's just page. a lot of extra work for yeah, no yeah. Gain. i mean for no cares? it's like you were saying about catalyst you were saying node wasn't the best solution but yeah, I want to get into that in a minute. We should sure. let, let's yeah look into that. Yeah, well, well, one thing I'll say because I think it's not, it's a it's a good segue is I've been um is I've been working a lot on a, a, a restful API for the Catalyst stuff, mm. <laughs> and the reason I did that is for people who listen to past shows, uh, I've complained a lot about having trouble getting Node to to talk to MySQL. And even work well with Mongo on the AppFog platform. Well, basically, you're trying to do stuff that Mongo's <laughs> supposed to do, but it's just not doing it. Just basic, the, the most basic thing, right? It's, it's quite possible that I'm just an idiot, but I, I spent hours trying to get Mongo to run an update statement, and I tried everything. And I talked about this in the last show. Guy and I tried everything, worked for hours. And, and eventually, I was just like, I'm sure at some point we could find, figure this out, but this is a waste of time. You know, it's just, it's irritating. This isn't, I'm not making money off. This isn't for a client. I just need to get this to work because I got other stuff to do. And you've also got your whole App Ignite existing API written, which you've, you know, you put all that work into App Ignite and it does the whole API thing. So why not it just does, do that? Yeah. So it does the kind of stuff that like Labarella Slim does and it does the ORM stuff. I mean, it's just really easy to debug. It works. It's simple. It's clean. You know, so I was like, okay, I'm tired of, I'm tired of dicking around with, um, Node.js at, at, as a web as a sort of a web app server and in having it integrate with uh, no, with uh, Mongo and and or having to try and save and, and retrieve data from Mongo and or MySQL. I was just it just it burnt probably twenty hours of my time over the right. past month and I just was over it. And uh, uh, okay, well let me ask so, you the big question, which is 
Do you have points working for Catalyst? Mostly, yes. Oh. I had about two hours, probably two to three hours of work. I'm going to try and get that done today. So, we're, so we've got our next Catalyst session tomorrow yeah. at 5.30. Yes. So, so what I did is I said, all right, rather than, rather than trying to save data into Mongo or whatever, what I'm going to do is I'm going to write a completely self-standing RESTful web service. Uh, and build, build on top of my App Ignite PHP. Framework. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. When I say App Ignite PHP framework, I mean the framework is minimal. I mean it's like six, you know, library files. So it's just it's it's not like a giant framework. It's just really clean and simple. Well, well basically, it's like it's like Slim, which is it 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 just allows you to um, add scripts to roots, basically. Yeah, really right? nicely. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, it handles all the you know post get post, post deletes get put, yeah. and nice. headers and uh, writes. It's just really clean and simple and uh so I did everything over there and then it was easy to test you know because it's self-separate you know and it was um so i got that built out so i have like tables are like the user table and the challenges table which is a programming challenge is like write a function that returns five times whatever value is passed to the function you know and then it and it's tested okay so you say that it's part the point system is partially working but um is it all are you also testing it from the perspective of like a user as in yeah, this is this is going to be a nice path. The next lesson is going to be in the good lesson. I mean, mm-hmm. so it's going to, it's the whole the whole package is going to be there tomorrow. Uh, so let's see. So right now I'll have a, I'll have a a list of a series of challenges. Yeah, and each challenge will have an associated point value with it. I'm probably just going to have everything be a single point for right now. Yeah. Um, and they will, and then and those points will be shown up at the top of their browser or at the top of their page. Get there for the ID. It'll say Jason. 57 points. And what does a yeah. challenge look like? That's uh, the, like the robot page. The, and the, the Well, in, in, yeah, we could do like, uh, I'll get to that in a second, but it could be simple. It'll be, a, you, you write a, you, it'll, it'll be instructions say, write a function that, you know, prints out hello world. Okay. And then you have to write a function that prints out hello world, or you just have to, whatever it does. And then you have a test function that will test that what you actually wrote, whether it succeeded or not. Yeah. So the, you know, and, and so if it succeeded, you get a point. And then that's your point for all time and it's stored in the database. That's right. Now, the, lo- the login system, is the login talking back to the API? So that's Everything. all kind of done through the same thing. No data is stored on, 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 on a node. That's kind that's of cool because it's completely abstracted. So that does mean it does give us potential for things like tablets and all that kind of thing in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so everything is completely yeah. separate. And um, and uh, yeah, so that, no, I can, that way I can just have on the Catalyst IDE the reason I, it could do what it does best, and the need, what I need, why I needed to be node is that, in order to do a, in order to mimic, writing a console app, yeah. where you say, "Hello, what's your name?" and then the thing is waiting. It captures your input. It captures your input and blocking. You can't block in JavaScript. So the only way you could do that is by having um, a socket, I mean, a, an AJAX request, hitting. The web server in, 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 in synchronous mode, so it does not return until it gets some data back. And so, when if I wrote if I wrote a, a program on here and it says you know uh, read line or input you know and it's waiting blocking underneath the hood that just sent, created an, a, a synchronous AJAX request to the web server is just waiting. For so it's first. a socket that's open between the so client then, and the server. So then when you go over to the, our terminal our console side of our of our ID and you type in Justin and hit return that posts that value justin to the server with an id you know basically corresponding to what program that re- 
that corresponds to. And that and Justin will be returned to the, the blocking synchronous request. Right. Does that all make sense? Yeah. So that's why I had to use Node. <laughs> yeah. For that effectively, that, and for that to be fast. Otherwise, you'd have, if you did PHP, it was just noticeably slower and kind of sluggish and kind of crappy. Yeah. But, you know, but I said, all right, I'm just not, all the things that, all the things that PHP and MySQL and all stuff does really well in terms of developing a stateless REST server, just let it, just, just do that and let Node do itself. Let Node deal with what Node does well. And and what I was thinking too is, um, I I mean just generally speaking, I just think that, I mean I, I worked on, I've worked on two projects now that building web based web, like but using Node.js to build a, a web app. Mm-hmm. And I'm not I think I mean you can do it, but I think you're I think it's probably at least fifty to fifty percent to one hundred percent more work. Well, this is like like what we were talking about earlier about using. Um no SQL versus MySQL, yeah. right? It's like do the, do the right thing, the sensible thing, the trusted thing first, because that's kind of the agile thing, mm-hmm. and then scale as you need to. I mean, if if you want to do it because it's fun, you know, like let's say you just hate PHP and you don't know Rails and you know Node, and yeah, okay, fine. But if you know PHP or Python or Rails, use that to build the database, could you do the like, web, a web, a, 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 anything like a vanilla. Web app, but could you do a web app with Node? I mean, can you serve HTML pages and all that yeah. kind of thing? Oh, yeah, I mean, they have like so their own the templating system. What's the difficult aspect? I think what makes what makes Node harder for is, are a couple things. One is um, asynchronous code, reading callbacks within callbacks within callbacks. Okay, so you got you do a request that hits a route. You want to serve up the route, so you have a callback handler that then goes, says, okay, request, and then it makes a call to Mongo, and then Mongo, and then you get some data back from Mongo. And this is all callbacks within callbacks within callbacks. And if there's an error, then do this. So it's like three or four levels of callbacks. And I've been doing this stuff for a couple of years now, and I still find it much thought- less, much more difficult to read and more error-prone than writing straight-up sequential um, synchronous code. I thought there was like a way, like a library that allowed you to write sequenced code for... No. There are things that help it a little bit. There's there's a number of them. There's async and step and some other things. Yeah, we step. Use, yeah, yeah. We you ever tried step? Yeah, there's like four or five, but it's still. I mean, it's it's easier if you're firing off a lot of parallel requests. Or, yeah. But it, it's still much more complicated than just writing like ten just, lines of PHP. Just code and function. <laughs> you know, just uh, you know, query database, get the data out, put it It's just <laughs> right, okay. easier. You know. Yeah. And, okay. I mean, I've done both, and I can tell you, it's easier. And. Uh, and, you know, unless you don't know PHP, Python, or Ruby, one of the standard, or maybe Perl, if you don't know one of those things, or I guess ASP, if you don't know one of those things at all, and you just know and love JavaScript, then do it. But it's just harder. Mm-hmm. And it's just more complicated and error-prone. And that was, that's been w- wasting a lot of my time. So when I moved everything, all the database, or the sort of the business logic stuff over to a and behind a restful just web makes service. It faster and easier. Way, 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 way. So that way, that's the reason why you can really get it done for tomorrow. Yeah. And see, the other thing is, is the, I don't, it could be app fog, it could be me, but the errors, debugging the Node.js web app was way more difficult. Hmm. It was just the errors it returned were, were just obscure, and it, it was just app fog, bad pathway. I'm like, well, what the hell does that mean? It could mean anything. <laughs> it basically just mean like, it, you know, something didn't work. Yeah. And so it took a lot of debugging to find out like why things were working and then you and then instead of using <clears throat> instead of just having like an FTP client just dragging a file over you know like yeah. what you can do when you're kind of prototyping or building first version or something yeah you would have to uh, app fog catalyst academy uh, app fog update catalyst academy and it would have to 
upload, stop the server, upload all the files, start it, stage it, start it. And it would take like 30 seconds just to restart. Okay. Which was just really irritating. And so it was a slow, sluggish, annoying <laughs> process. And because I'm so stubborn, I kept, I kept trying to make it work. Eventually, I just said, my inside guy, screw it. So um, just moving on, you, you have a few different projects right now. So anything we're not going to talk about, there's, there's no point because uh, we're still working you know working on where we're moving with that right uh, but that other secret project that you were talking on mm-hmm. are you are you going to release that yet or no um it's like uh it, it depends if, if things go well this week and this yeah. weekend then i'll release it before i go up to san francisco i'm heading up to san francisco next tuesday night tuesday yeah. week from this tuesday yeah and i'd like to release it before i can to like five or six people uh companies who have talked to who want to use it great um but we'll see I, the cattle stuff is eaten up like last four days yeah um, but I just can't let the kids down. No. <laughs> you got to get it done. I promised it. <laughs> I promised it to them. And, uh, yeah. And it's just, it's just like a burr in my side. I just can't, you know, I just have to get these, this whole point system. So in theory, we've got two new people coming to help us tomorrow. Manny from, uh, from, uh, idea lab hopefully is, is coming. And mm-hmm. then you've got another, Kevin Regan. Yeah. Oh, Kevin, of course. Kevin yeah. Kevin Regan, who's a listener and, uh, yeah, he's he actually said that he had his company or I don't know the company he works for, a company he gets holds for, has uh, a bunch of old laptops that they're trying to get rid of. Oh, a bunch of Dell six tens or six twenties, and they they look like they're plenty usable. Well, the more that you can control, the better. Because if they don't bring in their computers, they're going to come in ours, and we can stop them from playing those games, mm. right? We can basically just force the situation. Yeah. So Lock they, it down. They, yeah, so the, 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 the computers are either forty bucks or fifteen bucks. Huh. And so I said, Well, why don't you bring one of each? And he he was kind enough to say that he would go ahead and install Ubuntu Linux. Do you think Linux we could lock them. it down so that they just couldn't open up any other tabs? They just had to be in the co- catalyst coder. Yeah, I don't know. I mean it might be a little we could try that. I was thinking more just in terms of the kids when they forget theirs. I don't know if I want to be lugging twelve computer laptops to this oh, every okay. week. No, but think about how much that yeah. costs us, right? Yeah. That. Yeah, I. That is annoying. Um, I wanted to tell you something about. Uh, oh no, 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 nothing, nothing. Well, anyway, the the that part of the problem may not be the computers, but it's just that once we have a point system, we have a structure of things that we're trying to get done. Yeah, that can make a difference. Yeah, stay on top a little bit. It, it, I think that might make a difference. If that doesn't make a difference, then maybe we have to lock things down more. I'd rather not have to. I think we just have to get a little stricter with them and I keep them more on on task. All right. Well, is that? Oh, and, and one thing I was going to say about this more thing is, um, I think for the next six weeks, um, we're going to start a half hour or later in like an hour and a half class. Oh, okay. Which I know you are a fan of. That that I would be a fan of that. Yeah. Will we'll, we'll it be an experiment? Mm-hmm. The thing is, I'm coaching Colby's uh, soccer team for the next six weeks. They have like a short winter season. Okay. And practice is right before from four to five. Yeah. And if I only have a half hour to get back from practice and. You're not going to have enough time. It's just going to be stressful. And I'd rather just start it at six and I have enough time to make the transition, get over to and set things up. Oh, I do have one thing to bring up. <clears throat> okay. Um, Craig, Mc, Craig, McKeechee, Craig McKeechee sent uh, uh, an email to us suggesting that I make a WordPress plugin for Plugio. Uh, basically, uh, Craig says, hi, Justin, Jason, longtime texting listener. We met briefly at last year's microconf. I do think I remember Craig. Um, I'm looking at word, I'm looking at the WordPress plugin market and thinking about doing one myself. I wonder if you'd, if you would consider making a plugin for, for, uh, 
for Plugio, as that is a great source of lead traffic. Um, and Rob, Rob Warling's talked about that a lot. Um, so I don't have too much to talk on this subject other than just saying, yeah, thanks a lot for the email. And that is, that is a pretty good what idea. What does it even mean? What does a Plugio plugin in WordPress look well, like? Well, I get, well, what does any kind of integration look like? So, I mean, if you think about Buffer or uh, Freckle uh, as a Buffer as an app, a Freckle as an app, they integrate into various different places that you just have to kind of think it through. How could I potentially integrate Plugio into well, how WordPress? Could you, off the top of your head, what would you, how would you integrate it? Well, one thing, one, just off the top of my head right now, um, posts could be could be buffered. <laughs> posts could be buffered through Plugio. Or alternatively, um, they, they, yeah, posts could be buffered or scheduled directly through to Plugio. So you, so you could type in your Plugio password and username and you could actually operate Plugio via WordPress. Okay. So when you published a post, uh-huh. it could like auto go into your tweet queue via the via, oh via I see. Yeah. So this isn't something that would be like a visual plugin. Like at the bottom of every page, is some Plugio, you know, embedded Plugio. Oh no, and it's an stuff. admin plugin. Yeah, it's an admin side plugin. Yeah. Okay. I think so. Yeah. Although, I mean, there could also be the potential for. No, I think the main potential would be for an admin plugin. And if you think about it, that that's a great form of marketing, which I have ne- I haven't done. Mm-hmm. Remember, we discussed this last last show mm-hmm. that um, Buffer have done so much of this. Those are the kind of integrations that you can do into yeah. all sorts of services, backend services like that. So another email we got was from um, Philip Monet, who uh, said, "Hey, Justin, and Jason, I uh, hope you're enjoying the holidays." Um, to, this one's talking about PhoneGap and creating mobile apps. He created a very interesting um, and detailed. Uh, blog post about how to create mobile apps with PhoneGap and jQuery, uh, jQuery Mobile. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. I think that that's really worth a read if you're interested in getting started in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. And uh, what else did I get? Um, oh yeah, I got another random email from someone who had read uh, my Anatomy of a of a Native Feeling HTML5 app, mm-hmm. basically saying, "Can you build an app for me?" <laughs> I'm like. I'm just really overloaded right now. I don't think I can. <laughs> Sorry about that. But uh, yeah, so. Yeah, that's, uh, well, that's a good thing about writing blog posts. It leads to stuff. Yeah, right? it does. Yeah, I don't know if they're Lux good. Surface Eric. Lux Surface Eric, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so a couple things I want to talk about. Um, well, just to, this sort of relates to Catalyst. I Was it Friday or something? I was gra- grabbing some lunch and then afterwards I, I was walking to my car, which was parked half a block away and I remembered it was a Radio Shack right on the street and I was like, you know, I'm going to pop in and see if I can get an Arduino. Oh, yeah, yeah. Micro controllers. And uh, so I went in there and, um, you know, they had them, had them, I had bought that in a couple of these little getting started books or whatever and uh, so it's cool. So I got an Arduino, started, I connected it, got the, download the ID, wrote a script or a little sample script and then, you know, pushed it or downloaded it or uploaded it to the Arduino microcontroller. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty cool because um, what I want to do, the reason I'm interested in that, I mean, I think ultimately I like to do that with the kids. I mean, maybe not right away, but at some point. But, you know, I've, I've been wanting to use the Mindstorms with Colby, but all of the Colby stuff, all of his things that he builds are based on these technic, I don't know what they're called. There's, there's, a, there's just, there's a whole line of motors, like they're power system motors, yeah. but they're not quite the same as the, um, as the Mindstorm. But the Arduino, you can get a, a what they call them, a, a shield, which will allow it to connect to the sensors and motors. So mm. you, can, you can actually connect to the these these sort of the same kind of motors you use. And you can use sensors from like the Mindstorm stuff, I think. Oh, okay. So Arduino connects with Mindstorm? 
Uh, no, when I, oh, no, it will connect to the motors, the Technic motors that aren't the Mindstorm motors, but these other motors. Huh. But it, so, it, 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 it doesn't, it's not because the Mindstorm brick, the little computer, that's kind of like its own little microcontroller. Okay, so I understand what the Raspberry Pi is, which is basically a very small C- board with a CPU, and it's basically a computer, right? Yeah, no, yeah. Now, what is Arduino? So, yeah, the difference between them is that, is that Raspberry Pi has. Like you can load Linux, it runs Linux. Yeah, like it, it has Linux. It has like uh, a lot of RAM. It has a you know powerful processor. Um, whereas the Arduino, Arduino is is they said like it's about a, a thousandth the power that would be in like your MacBook Pro. Okay, right? but and it doesn't have an operating system um, as such. And it just you write these simple programs in C and you send it over. It's not like you're going to run a web server on it like you can on a Raspberry Pi. So Raspberry Pi was built to, the, the goal, uh, funny because I was reading this in Wikipedia the other day, was to make programming more accessible to people. So you can actually write programs and run it on your Raspberry Pi yeah. without having an expensive computer. Thir- you know, for 30, 35 bucks. Arduino is making electronics accessible. Hmm. You're not running a web server, you're writing very simple programs that can control this board that has lots of digital and analog uh, inputs or outputs that you can connect to all kind of different electronic circuits and so what what sort of examples would you so w- with Arduino could you program a robot yes okay and could you give it like I don't know a program that was complicated enough to think to to look at the gravity and the balance you know the way that robots yes. have that gyro yeah. stuff okay yes. so it can do that level of stuff yeah huh now the difference the 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 benefit of the the Arduino over the Raspberry Pi is that it uses way less power. Mm. Um, so the Raspberry Pi, Linux, more RAM, more bigger processor, uses a lot more power. Does it? Can it run off a battery, or does it have to be plugged in? I haven't, I haven't used a Raspberry Pi, okay. uh, so I don't know. Um, well, Arduino is definitely like this can totally run off a, a very small power source, like a little battery, and can yeah. be on like a little robot or something. Right. Oh yeah. Now I, I I like to experiment with the Raspberry Pi. I mean I, I you know what I've said is just me reading a couple of articles about it. So yeah. I, it's not like I've used it or know much about it. But um, you know they're only thirty five bucks or something. So well, all I'm saying is don't bring that Arduino into the Catalyst yeah. until you've got shit sorted, right? Like yeah. so, like no, you've, I, I you've agree. got your lesson set up and whatever. Then that would be cool. Yeah, no, I will. That's that. <laughs> I, I agree. Now the reason the only reason I brought the Mindstorms in that time was because. <clears throat> I didn't have a coding lesson planned because I spent all the time trying to get the point system work because Mongo was screwing up and it just (laughs) threw me. I didn't recover from that. I didn't have enough time to come up with anything. But um, one thing was interesting is stopping by the the Radio Shack as I was talking to the guy behind the counter for a few minutes um, and I mentioned Catalyst to him and he said that there was a guy who stops in every once in a while who's like this hardware super hacker. He said he built, he took these green laser pointers and he hacked and connected it to a microphone, and, and so essentially you could he could from a, like a he was saying from ten kilometers away you could listen to a conversation by pointing a laser at it. What? Yeah, and I looked it up the other night on Wikipedia, like laser microphones that you could point a laser a laser at something at like a glass or something. The vibrations on the vi- of a glass um, actually allow you to hear the, the sound waves affect the glass, and the vibrations are. are are picked up by the the, um, the reflection of the laser, which... How far is 10, like 10 kilometers? Put that in perspective. Uh, in terms of miles, how far is that? Seven, six, seven miles like that. Seven miles. You can you can eat... That's what the guy said. Now, I looked up on uh, Wikipedia, or maybe I was looking up... I was looking on Amazon for these laser pointers, which you can buy like 
three for like 20 bucks, like a red, blue, and a green. Yeah. And they were saying like they go like two or three miles or something. Or wow. Two or three kilometers or something. I mean, regardless, I was like, I told the guy, I'm like, listen, here's all my info. Give it to the guy if he comes in. And, and, and I'm going to, he said, well, and, and, and if he gets his, I'll get it because I want to have him stop by Catalyst. <laughs> I'm like, how awesome would it be to have a guy like that who can build that kind of stuff come in and, and, and do like a, and show the kids some stuff? That's like meeting people in olden times, like leaving notes for them, like in the 1800s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's like, well, I haven't seen him in a month. I'm like, well, yeah, when he comes in, forward him my information about Catalyst and get his info so I can email him if, if, that's that's, cool. if he's up for it. Because that would be, it'd be, it'd be great to have somebody who's that much of a super hacker with hardware come in and that is awesome i mean uh, yeah like how how could you even hack i mean it's just very cool to think about that yeah see i don't even know how that's i mean i don't know near enough about any of that stuff to do that so. it's like i'm just I'm, tr- I'm thinking through in my head like how do you get the 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 signal to go from this just laser thing into audio <laughs> yeah yeah well i mean if we keep doing catalyst and we start playing with electronics and arduinos i mean you'll be learning We'll both be learning. That'd be great. You have a point where you're like, oh, I get how this stuff works. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like anything. It seems like it seems like magic to us. It's like voodoo. There's no way that we can understand how it works. And then eventually you're like, oh, yeah, you just hook this up and it's pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. Like if someone says, oh, I don't understand this programming stuff. Like, I don't want the loop or conditional or whatever. So we should do our our, our, our Tesla minute. Oh, go on then. <laughs> Maybe a little longer than a minute. Yeah. So the latest Tesla update is that I guess a judge has has dismissed a case or at least ruled against the case brought on by like the dealers association in Massachusetts. This was in Detroit, right? I think it was in Massachusetts. Oh, okay. Where, so the, there's some, I think, I don't know if it's a federal law or it's a state law, but essentially most of the states have laws in place where the manufacturers of cars can't have, can't sell the cars. They have to use dealers, you know, like somehow, Somehow was meant, I, I can't remember the backstory on it, but somehow it was meant to protect consumers because the dealers can compete and I don't know. So you have a, so that's why you have dealerships that are owned by people. It's not owned by Nissan or owned by GM. It's owned by, you know, a family or something, yeah. right? So um, where Tesla, but Tesla's not opening dealerships, they're opening showrooms. So people can come in, take a look at a car, um, you know, go online. I think you might be able to order one online maybe, but there's no negotiation. There's no... None of that. You just can put it. Yeah, you're just looking at. You're looking at it. They can talk. Yeah, and it's real low. No pressure. It's just hey, come in and check this out. And if you want to, maybe you have to order it online. I don't know. But um, so these dealerships have brought a lawsuit because they don't. They feel like that's competition. That shouldn't be allowed, right? I mean, that's a typical incumbent trying to regulate out. You know, uh, yeah. challengers or, or uh, disruptors, and uh, that got thrown out. So that's good news. So I think it seems like in, in, and as we've talked about like SpaceX, it, it won those military contracts and stuff. It seems like every time there's somebody trying to put a hurdle or block something or there's something that they keep, he they, they find what, yeah, he keeps pushing through it and finds a way to get through it. That's I, what, maybe that's what his one genius is. I mean, he just, he just, you know, has these big visions and he's just trying to create awesome stuff and making it happen, you know, and it just, I think in the end, you know, incumbents and regulators and lobbyists can block stuff for only so long. Well, we've got two listeners now who've bought Tesla shares on your say-so. <laughs> yeah, I've got a few. Yeah, at least a couple of emails. Say, You're yeah. going to be in competition with James Alter just soon, like with J- Jason's stock picks. No, no. It's I, just going to be a real <laughs> short show. Buy Tesla. <laughs> no, no. I'm not recommending anyone buy it. I'm not. I think it's illegal, actually, to recommend stocks yeah. unless you're a, uh, a certified financial 
Like you have to pass your series seven or something. So, uh, yeah, I'm just talking about what I'm doing. I'm not recommending anything to anybody, mm. but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's all stuff. It, it bodes well. I mean, I, like I said, I think, are you going to buy the, the shares for the en- the energy company that just IPO solar city? I, 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 I plan to in the next month or so where I just trying to, uh, space out my cash flow. Like you, I, I you want to invest in Elon Musk, right? That's that's it's basically the Elon Musk point. ETF. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, I I think it's you bet on the. I mean, you bet on the horse. I think more than you bet on individual products or companies. I think you know. I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's not so clear cut as that, but I I think what Elon Musk is doing with SpaceX and Tesla and Solar City is just phenomenal. I think he's shown himself to be a winner, and he has just a bigger vision and a willingness and ability to execute on things that most people wouldn't even attempt right and succeeding and ex- succeeding with style and so i'm like i'd put money behind that guy i mean if 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 you go back to, if you go 10 15 years in the future and you go oh yeah tesla's a you know it's very successful and the electric cars have become a big niche they're like a niche just like hybrids are they're not you know it doesn't take in over the entire market but it's a sizable substantial mainstream niche right yeah you would not be surprised Mm, fact, no. and then you'd feel like an idiot why didn't i buy i could have invested in that 10 15 years that was obvious yeah <laughs> it yeah. was obvious back then and i just just stood in the sideline and smiled and now i'm like i'm an idiot <laughs> like, <laughs> i just like you, you know would have been i you know if i i guess if i had had the money would have been stupid not to have bought google right i mean anybody who was in the web no, world no, knew was you know well, here's the thing like i guess i was stupid because i didn't get it but i probably i totally should have i t- i completely had why didn't you get it do you remember what were you thinking at the time? I was just thinking, I, I don't know. Well, you know, I, I just didn't really know whether it was a good investment or not. I just didn't know. I'd never really played the stock market. I still haven't. <laughs> so I just didn't really know about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, and, and again, I, whenever I talk about this, I'm going to talk about playing the stock market in the sense of like trading, buying and selling. So a couple of guys yeah. have emailed me and we've talked about this in the past. I'm like, oh, you know, I bought in at this price and I wish I'd bought it way longer. It's like a dollar this way or that way doesn't make a difference. I mean, you're investing for you know, on the short side, three to five years, more like 10 to 15, you know, mm. years, maybe 20. I mean, depending on how young you are and what you're trying to do. But, you know, this is this is where you park your money and hope for get a good return over the long haul because you believe that something is fundamentally valuable and it's going to continue to grow in value. That's investing, not trading. Mm. Yeah. Where it's yeah. like, oh, I'm in and out. And I think it's, at a, you know, it's like that's a whole different game. Yeah. So uh, let's see. What else do we got here? You know, one thing that's been frustrating me a little bit is I keep reading articles. I keep getting suckered into reading articles on Hacker News that are just reiterating the same information over and over again. Fail fast. You know, be Mm. lean. Mm. Things that I learn, like everybody's learning the same lessons over and over again. And what I think I realized is that there's just a segment of people coming into this world who are either young they're in college or year or two, a few years out of college, or starting their first company, and they're learning the same lessons people learned in 2010 and 2007. Yeah, yeah. so they're the, they're the new batch. Yeah, it's a new batch. And they're like, wow, you got to get out and talk to customers, or wow, you, you got to uh, you got to validate, or you got to you know don't no you know don't want to prematurely optimize. I mean, all the kind of stuff that is sort of to us is so obvious, but it's just funny. I think you just naturally becomes that kind of world where you become the old guard. And then you just kind of get frustrated because everybody's learning the same lessons. But for them, it's the first time, mm-hmm. right? They're just learning this. And it's like you almost need like, you know, how like when you go to these forums or these, not, I don't know if they're forums or, or whatever, but for like a computer language and like 
before you ask any questions, read this. Like this stuff has been answered. Yeah, yeah. Fifty times. That, they, they should have the, they should have a sticky at the top of Hacker News. You have to read. You know, are you a newbie? Read this. These, read these twenty five <laughs> articles. That's a really good idea. Yeah. At least five of them are from ten of them. Paul Graham. Read these. You know, these are the collection, or maybe even fifty. These are the collection from you know all the different uh, you know people like Chris Dixon or or Fred Wilson or. Uh, Paul Graham, and it's just like the or Joel Spolsky. It's like read these before you go out and start writing about how you learn these lessons, because this is this will tell you all the fundamental knowledge. You know what I was thinking about that people, the way that social media is going and content consumption is going, I'm thinking is actually quite bad for society because people are getting siloed into their now that now that the systems know your preferences, they're pushing content that you want to read that you already know about that's in your sphere. So there's no chance, there's very little chance of you like moving sideways to hear about something else that's weird that you wouldn't have otherwise heard about. If you were just picking up a regular newspaper, you'd see all sorts of stories. If you were just reading regular books, you'd see all sorts of things. But now that we're so preference driven, you know, preference driven, it's all about your specialist. And Google, for example, is just putting content to you that you already know about. Like, so is, is, is that bad for society? I think it's good and bad. I mean, it's, yeah, there's that, like, people it's confirmation bias people get confirming political are they articles that confirm their political perspectives yeah. or whatever and and uh, rather than reading things that might challenge them or opening up a new possibility it's like oh maybe it's a better and different but if a google, better way to think about this issue but i mean if google's pushing stuff at you that you already know about you're like it's going to limit your horizons. Yeah, well, I think what's important is that you don't depend on a delivery of one source. You don't just read Hacker News or you don't just read Reddit or you just read Google News, that you have different sources. Yeah. And that's what I try and do. I mean, I reference a lot of Hacker News on the show because that's the kind of stuff our listeners, I think, want to listen to primarily. Yeah. You know, occasionally I bring in economic and political and science stuff that's outside of this. But I try and read from a lot of different sources so I don't get sucked into that. There should be a, there should be a single source website <laughs> that brings in every it's called everything.com <laughs> everything.com <laughs> the best story from everything everything, everything. Yeah. well i think that's what newspapers are supposed to be right <laughs> i mean that's what they're supposed to like here's all the different things you need to know or should know about or probably want to know about but, I'm uh, sure that's going to happen. Things always go in cycles like the first cycle is everything's just random and out there. The second cycle is everyone's or preference, and then all of a sudden it becomes there's too much preference. Everything's too siloed. Now we need to work a way to get out of our silos. Yeah, that'll be the next big it's, thing. It's like humans always do. It's because humans are kind of herd driven. Well, this is what everybody does. Yeah, everybody thinks this. Yeah. Everybody knows that this is true. This is the best practice. So everybody does it because people are afraid generally or are uncomfortable doing things that are outside of what everybody else thinks. And then so what happens is that we kind of based on a certain type of social momentum, we overcorrect for everything. And you see that in the market. That's why markets swing because everybody's overcorrecting in fear and greed. It's always overcorrecting. It goes mm. too far down. It goes too far up. And so when everybody thinks it's the end of the world, you know it's not the end of the world. And that's when you buy. And everybody's like, oh, my God, you know, it's going to be a new economy. It's a new, new world. We're never going to have. That's or, what you sell. Yeah. yeah, or, yeah that's what you sell. <laughs> or housing prices will never go down. Or gold yeah. will never go down. Or it's like, dude. Sell, sell, sell. sell. It's like when your taxi driver, your mom starts recommending <laughs> stock picks or investment opportunities you know that's a last call get out now but anyway yeah but just generally speaking though you have this social sort of momentum and uh and you just be aware of that and things always kind of go too far and they kind of correct back and 
We're getting caught in our own social silo. We? Yeah. Everyone or just people, you? People. People. Like, I think that's the way that social media is taking us. Into See, I don't really silos. do much social media, so I don't really suffer that too much because I don't use Twitter and I'm not really on... I, don't even use, I haven't even used Google Plus at all, so I don't really do the social media. All right. Thing. Well, fair enough, but maybe not you, but a lot of people anyway. You think, but you think people really consume most of their news from social media? I do. I think, I think the social media, I mean, people are getting stuck into their social silos like um, Facebook, you know, you're there with all of your friends and family and that's kind of your place. And but that's just kind of like people sitting around the kitchen table or they're, where they're hanging out the water cold with all their friends. I mean, that's not really news driven. That's just like communicating what people did on vacation. Well, there is or, a lot of, I mean, Georgie gets a lot of her news through Facebook. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're, you're on Twitter all day. I'm well. I'm not on Twitter all day, but uh, I wish I was. But um, no, I'm I'm potentially slightly a little bit automated on Twitter. But I do also go in there a little bit. <laughs> but let's not talk. I'm about gonna that. let that one slide today. <laughs> a little about bit. That. We'll do that. Justin Bot. <laughs> talk about that another day. Uh, no, but I mean, I no, I yep, yep. What what are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, the Justin. All right, bot. let's move on to the yeah. Next so um. I don't know, let's see if there's anything else we want to talk about here. Um, okay. Um, yeah. I, you know, oh, you know, last thing I'll bring up, the last article I have that I, I want to bring up is um, it was, it, it was called um, uh, Pay Attention to Power Law Distributions. Hmm. Okay, uh, Sounds fascinating. Yeah, I it was it was good. But, but essentially, what it was, one of the issues was is find out when you have leverage. And because uh, power law distributions are the things like, you know, uh, sports stars and media stars, like the lion's share of of money and everything resources go to the people at the very top, like the top the top athletes in football and basketball. Yeah, the soccer. top the top ten, uh, or even the top one has so much more. The top blog- bloggers, yeah. yeah, right. You know, uh, everything. I mean, there's, there's there's power laws all over the place. But so, what's the main? What, so well, one of the things I was talking about is just. Is just being aware that there are power laws, but also like in power laws in terms of like um, impact for things that you do. Like there's things that you do if you automated it would create like a power law distribution, a power law effect in that. Let's see if I'm going to say, yeah, it goes. The important thing to remember is that there are outsized returns for a small number of our investments and it's a worth a great deal of our time and energy figuring out how we can make more likely how we can be more likely to make these investments for my mom. Yeah. Okay. So what he's talking about is his, yeah, this is the great, great little example. So his mom is a dermatologist and what she would do is she would spend, um, you know, 10 or 15 minutes with her clients explaining some, you know, this, uh, this, I guess there was some, there was a, a new drug called Accutane, which is really good, uh, which is an amazing pill for curing ac- extreme cases of acne. And so it was the same, it was a 10 minute explanation of like how it worked and what were the potential side effects and et cetera. And but she realized she did it over and over and over again. She had the same conversation just hundreds or thousands of times. So what she did is she sat down and made a, uh, a, a 10 minute explanation on her iPad. And then what she would do is when anyone who would come in who was, who needed an acne treatment was, that was going to be a consideration. She'd say, she would an iPad and just say, listen to this. And then she could go and help her other patients. Right, 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 and that and people loved it. They loved ha- the the video. Just to sit there, and well, that's efficient use of time. It's just being very, very efficient. But that gave, gave outsized returns. Ten minute investment to create that saved her hundreds of hours in a couple of years or whatever. Yeah, and but that's it's like scaling as well, right? That's 
she's finding leverage, finding yeah. scale like that. That's what's really kind of interesting in general about the web. It's like, um, you know, we can do things on the web and we can affect, affect thousands of people, you know, at the very least, I mean, mm-hmm. tens of thousands you can affect. Whereas if you just do it one-on-one, it's, it's not much. So it's like, you know, you think about catalysts, like I could work with Colby on stuff and I have a scale of one. We can do it with catalyst in person. You could have a scale of 10, a hundred, maybe 500, but if you eventually move it to web, you could end up scaling the thing to hundreds of thousands. Yeah. You know, so it's like, you're always looking to like, how can we make this more impactful? Mm-hmm. And, but this, what's also kind of interesting is, is most of our daily life interactions with people, there is no scale, right? So, you and I could have a conversation at lunch and not record it, and there's a scale of one. Right, yeah. We can have the same conversation here, and we have 2,000 or so listeners who can who might find the, the topics we're discussing interesting enough, and, it's, and it saves them from the boredom of their commute or whatever, mm-hmm. right? So we had more scale. We added more scale. We found our conversation can be scaled. Well, how do we get to the next scale then? How do we get to 100,000 listeners? <laughs> we go from 2,000 to... Well, at least we went from one, a scale of one to a scale of uh, 2,000, maybe 2,500. So that's a scale of three, three, over three orders of magnitude, right? So 1,000 right. would be three orders of magnitude in scale from that one thing, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. And, um, and that's why sometimes like, I realized that I was writing down a list of, of blog. I know I keep saying this, and I'm just going to have to one day actually do it. But I have a list of these blog posts that I need to write because a lot of these blog things are ideas that I'll I've repeated numerous times, numerous conversations with people mm-hmm. like the luck surface area. I've there's, there's, you know, there's half a dozen of them uh, or maybe even a dozen of them. So you're scaling your ideas, scaling ideas, like just get them out there because I'll, their ideas are, are um, yeah, that I think are, are, are valuable. And I think they're uh, in the sense that I think they can help people think about things in a way that make them more productive or more effective, you know, like the luck surface area concept. Yeah. I mean, just because it's such a simple thing that it, 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 it makes you makes you more aware of how you're spending your time. Wow, am I doing enough or am I telling enough or doing some combination? And if I do, if I maximize that, my opportunities will be maximized. And anyway, so I, it's like I want to scale those. I need to scale the ideas. But that's not news, right? Everybody knows that blogging kind of scales. Mm-hmm. But I think looking for things, always looking for opportunities to find scale in what you do. But... The flip side is, it's weird. It's like, if you all you do is scale, all you do is put things in the web, you're not really interacting with people directly. Exactly, not real, yeah. Like, some of the, your life is just going to be like, this is a one-off. There's no scale in this, you know? But it's yeah. fine because you get so much, you get so much back interpersonally by just having these one-on-one private Yeah, well, it's like, you know, when you're in Radio Shack and you're talking to that person, huh. that's going to not scale, but it's just a... Well, you talk to everyone. I mean, when you're in a queue at Pollo Loco, you talk to people. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's just sort of an interesting thing to think about. Like, uh, you know, you, you just have to find this right balance for when you're, when you're, when you're going to just interact people directly and get no scale out of it, but it's rewarding interpersonally and it creates sort of a, a, a rich personal uh, world and a rich, oh, what the worst, what the way I want to describe this? A, uh, it's a better life experience is yeah. out in the world interacting with people. Yeah. Just richer, richer life. You yeah. can't just spend all your life just Skyping and emailing people. Right. It just, yeah. it's fine. It's fine. Part of the time. Yeah. But you, do, so you don't want to spend your whole life in the analog world and not doing anything digital because you, it's very hard to reach any scale. Okay. If you spend all your life just on the computer, emailing and Skyping and blogging, there's no, it's like I always say truth lies in the middle. 
you hate that. <laughs> but like, that's well, you just, you just throw that out there all the time. It's like, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, well, anyway, I think that's probably it for the show. We need to. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I got it. I got No, uh, I got ahead. I got work to do. So, all right. That's a wrap. We're out.